welcome to Pursuit Church Podcast, where we give those far from God the opportunity to pursue Christ. We are so glad you are here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God has a word for you through today's message. I want to look at the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, starting with verses 35, 36, and 37. Mark chapter 8, starting with verse 35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The NLT version says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? This morning, I want to speak on this world is not enough. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. And we just turned the heat on a little hotter because I'm cold. You're probably cold too. So maybe it'll get a little bit more comfortable this morning in here. As I woke up this morning, I looked at the calendar and today's date read March the 13th, 2022. I don't know what that means to you, but to me, it's crazy to see how quickly time flies by. The time, it never stops. It never slows down. It just keeps moving. I remember when I was in school, I would watch that secondhand go around the clock. I would watch the second hand because that's the only one you could really see moving. Around the clock, it would go. Slowly but surely, that second hand would move around the clock and 55 times and that class would be over with and we would head on to the next class. Maybe it seemed like the time went slower back then, but looking back at it now, it was moving just as it always has. The longer I live, the more I come to realize how short life really is. The second hand on the clock just keeps moving. Around the clock, it goes at the exact same pace as it always has. The time never stops. The time never slows down. The book of James says it best. He says, Life is like a vapor. It appears for only a moment, but then it vanishes away. 2,000 years ago, James was teaching on the shortness of life. Life has always been short. But the truth is, this morning, it's not just the shortness of life that troubles me. It's the unpredictability of life. If I knew I had 90 years to live, okay, I would plan. I would do a lot of things. I I would spend my time wisely. I would live happily, but I don't know how long I have. Nobody does. Nobody knows if they have 50 more years or 50 more months or 50 more days. Things in life can happen so suddenly And even more unpredictable than life is death. Nobody is ready for death. Maybe a cancer patient is told that they have 
six months left to live and they do everything they can in those six months to plan for their passing away. But still, nobody's really ready for death. How do you even get ready for death? How do you prepare? Is anybody really ever ready for death? It always seems as if death comes too soon, as if life was cut too short. There were always things that were left unsaid, deeds that were left undone, dreams left unfulfilled. And at the end of it all, when life is considered in the context of death, it never seems to be enough. Life is always so short. And we're always left with questions like, why? Why, God? Why did you take my loved one so soon? Why did life have to end so abruptly? I recently read the, the story of a man named Marshall Shelley. He's a Christian author, and he and his wife had a child that lived for only two minutes Toby was born with a rare and severe genetic disorder and his life ended just moments after it had begun. And to make the grief worse, their two-year-old daughter, Mandy, died three months later. Marshall and his wife were left with one pressing question, why? Why did God create a child to live for only two minutes? Why did God create a child to live for only two years? The question is universal, and we've all asked it. Where's the justice and death that seems to come too soon? How do we make sense out of life that always seems to be too short? But church, there is an answer to that question, and it's an answer that each and every one of us needs to hear today. God didn't create a baby just to live for two minutes. God didn't create a little girl just to live for two years. And he did not create me just to live a certain amount of years, nor did he create you just to live for a certain amount of years. But God, when he formed us, when he created us, he created us for eternity. We were not made for just this world, but we were made for so much more. When God formed you in your mother's womb, when you were fearfully and wonderfully made, he made you with heaven in view. He didn't make you just for this short and momentary life. He didn't make you just for this fleeting lifespan that James calls a vapor. It appears for a moment, but then it passes away. But God made you for an everlasting experience. God made you to experience the wonders of eternity. He made you to live forevermore with him. He didn't make you just to be a, a citizen of the earth, but he made you to be a resident of heaven. From the very first breath that you ever breathed, you were destined for better things than this world could ever offer. From the moment that your life first began, you were intended for eternal life. The world seems so real and the 
world seems so permanent and final, but may I remind you today that the span of time that you spend here in this world is no more permanent than the nine months that a baby spends in the womb of its mother. And the reality of eternity is as far beyond your comprehension as the reality of this present world is to a baby that hasn't even been born yet. You can't even begin to imagine it. The half has never been told. Eye has not seen. Ear has not never been heard. Anything has never been seen. The, we have never begun to even comprehend what eternity is like. Eternity is forever, and God has made us for eternity. You were not made for the temporary pleasures of this life. You were not made for the shallow and, and fleeting moments of this world, but their church really is a heaven to gain. There really is a lamb. There really is a place up there where the lamb is the light. There really is a place up there where there is no night. A place, church, where the Bible says there's no sorrow. A place, church, where the Bible Bible says there's no sickness, a place where there's no death and dying in church. You were made for it. That's what you were created for. We were created for eternity. It is said that King Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. And he said, God has planted eternity in the heart of man. He goes on and says, there's a divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. There is something in the inside. There is something in our heart that screams, this can't be all that there is. This can't be it. There has to be something else. There has to be something more. There is a desire within you. There is a desire within your heart planted there by God himself that nothing in this world will ever satisfy. No person will ever satisfy it. No spouse will ever satisfy it. No friend, no enjoyment, no entertainment, no drug, no high, no passing pleasure. Nothing will satisfy the desire that God put inside of you. Doesn't matter how much you achieve, there will always be that unfulfilled desire. It doesn't matter how many things you obtain there will always be this aching in your soul. It doesn't matter how successful you become. Your successes will never satisfy that, that longing that God has placed in your heart. You were not made for this world. You were not made for the temporary joys and triumphs of this life. These things will never satisfy the longing of the soul. People have believed that the wealth of this world would satisfy the longing of their souls. 
but the wealthy have thrown their lives away under the influence of this unexplainable depression because they found out that money couldn't satisfy the longing of their soul. People have believed that power and prestige and position, maybe recognition, would somehow satisfy that inner desire. But they've all been disappointed as they've achieved all that they could achieve. And still there was something in them still not satisfied. There's a part of you this morning that will only be satisfied by the presence of God in your life. There is a longing in the heart. There is an aching desire within you. There is a part of you that longs for eternity. It's hard to explain. But we long for somewhere we've never been. We long for a place we've never inhabited. We long to see somewhere we've never been. Church, you were not made for this world. You were not made for this place, but you were made for eternity. The Apostle Paul expressed it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things by himself. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for the Savior. There is something within us that is always anticipating that day when the Lord will come in his power and his glory and he'll transform this lowly body and he'll conform it to his glorious body. Church, there's a day coming when everything is going to change. There's a day coming when all sorrow will give way to joy. There's a day coming when all trials and troubles will surrender to victory. There's a day coming when death will be swallowed by everlasting life. And I've come to remind the church this morning that this world is not your home. This world is not permanent, for this is only temporary, friend. We were born for eternal life. In the book of Numbers, chapter 32, there's an interesting story that I want to share. After many years of wandering through the wilderness, as they got close to finally possessing the promise of God, the tribes of Reuben and Gad had become infatuated with the lands of Jazer and Gilead. The Bible tells us that the tribes of Reuben and Gad had a great multitude of cattle and that these lands that they had found were perfect for raising their cattle. But there was a problem. These lands were on the wrong side of the Jordan River. And when God had promised Abraham about the land that he would possess for an inheritance, he was very clear about which side of the Jordan River this land would be upon. And the land of Jazer and Gilead was on the wrong side of the river. 
these tribes of Reuben and Gad had fallen in love with what they saw on the wrong side of the river. They somehow became attached to the land that they were only supposed to be passing through. Somehow they started putting down roots in a land that was supposed to only be a temporary campsite. And instead of continuing to the promised land, they traded the promised land for a temporary convenience and they settled on the wrong side of the river. Church, may we not get so consumed in the temporary conveniences and the temporary enjoyments of this life that we too forget that we have a promise of something more. We have a promise of something better than this. We have a promise of something greater. Reuben and Gad were not meant to spend forever on that side of the river in which they fell in love with, but they were made for the promised land. They were only supposed to be passing through that foreign land. But somehow the tribes of Reuben and Gad had gotten so busy and so comfortable in the land that they were passing through that they decided to stop there and call it home. They traded the promises of God for something less. May we not get so comfortable and consumed in this life that we forget that God made us for something more. God has a greater promise than this. This is not our home church. We are only passing through. We're headed to the promised land. We're headed to somewhere better. Jesus, in his own words, begs this question today. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world, but lose his soul. He says, is anything worth more than your soul? Think about it for a moment. Is anything worth the soul? The scripture says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life. But see, the Bible also speaks of eternal darkness. Some of the words that Jesus uses to describe the penalty of sin is lost, perish, condemned, punishment, torment, hell. You say, Dan, do you believe all of that? Well, sure I do. For those are the words of Jesus. Those are the words of Christ. You know, Christ preached about hell three times more than he preached about heaven. If you read the Bible, Jesus preached so much about hell. But the scripture says, speaking of this same Jesus, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Why did Jesus come and die for us? Why did Jesus come into this world and put his life into the hands of man and die on an old rugged cross? He was doing it for your soul. 
That's what's so important to God, your soul. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he defeated death hell and the grave. It was all about your soul. He had your soul in mind. He died for your soul. He was doing it for eternity. So what about your soul? Have you thought about your soul today? What if you lost it? What if you're losing it? Jesus said, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Church, this morning we ought to understand that there's nothing, there's nothing in this life worth the soul. There is nothing in this world worth more than the soul. And nobody can say it better than Christ. Because Christ is the only one who's had a glimpse into eternity. Only he knows what eternity looks like. And he's saying, church, you're going to want to make sure your soul is ready. You're not going to want to die lost. Trust me, Jesus says, this world is not enough. This world is not worth it. Get your soul ready. Get your life ready. Get under the blood, church. Run to the cross. Make up your mind. I'm going to be ready for eternity. I'm going to prepare my heart. I'm going to prepare my soul. This morning, Jesus is reminding you, you can be ready. You can be prepared. You don't have to die lost. God made you for eternity. I'm almost done, but those early believers in the New Testament they asked, well, what do we do? Peter replied, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you live with the leading of the Holy Ghost in your life, that Holy Ghost will bring you all the way into eternal life. You say, Daniel, well, I've done a lot of I've done all that, but I, I've fallen many times since that. I've fallen yesterday and the day before, and I've really messed up. Well, I have some good news. John said, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So today we have no excuse. We can be ready. Jesus says you can be ready. I've given you the message. Jesus said I died on the cross. My blood is already shed. What more can the preacher say? What more can the man of God do? The altar is open. The cross is standing. The blood has been poured out. Just come to the altar. Just lift your hands. Get ready church. Jesus is saying you can be ready. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. For more information about Pursuit, visit PursuitChurchAR.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week.